pretty much I'm a love it or hate it kind of guy. But, uh, you know, it just it, it just helps that um, I just like I have so many things that I love musically. And, it, and I think also because I'm a writer that um, I tend to visualize when I hear music, I visualize scenes in my head. Either it, you know, if like if it was, it was a, if it was a song that was featured on a TV show or a movie, I kind of picture that scene taking place in my head. Or when I'm writing and I want to capture a certain mood, I will go to certain songs or certain artists, and and that helps me kind of picture like you know what I want to create. everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusty Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, and today I'm feeling a little timey-wimey. I'm feeling a little out of kilter because I am talking to my main podcast partner, my partner in time, my Titan, fellow Titan talker, Charles Skaggs. And normally, anytime we podcast over the past three years, he's in the driver's seat. Uh, but today, he's decided to hand me the keys. He gets in the passenger seat. He's controlling the radio, and we're talking a little music. Charles, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Jesse. How are you? I am so good. I am so happy that we've worked this out. Uh, we've been talking for over a year about having you join and and we just, I never took the time to sit down and go, okay, I'm going to lock out a time. And so we, we, we were talking Doctor Who and you said, look, just put a time on the books. I'll be there, Jesse. And I said, okay, done. So <laughs> yeah, because it's your show. I'm not going to do the heavy lifting for your exactly. show. So, but, uh, but yeah, so I guess you could consider this next stop, Bruce. Yes, exactly. Uh, next stop, Bruce talk. Okay. <laughs> so, hey, um, so in case someone and has not listened to Next Stop Everywhere, the Doctor Who podcast, or Titan Talk, the Titans podcast, or Fandom Zone, your podcast fandom- all about comic book TV shows. Right. Uh, tell us a little about yourself. Uh, well, basically, um, I've you've known me forever and a day. We were friends uh, in this um Teen Titans um, fan fiction group called Titan Talk way back in the day, back in the 90s. And yes, there was like electricity and fire and all that. Um, and uh, we got to become friends. And you uh, obviously we got close. You gave my wife Lori away at our wedding. And uh, so technically I consider you my my unofficial father-in-law. As as a result, absolutely, and, and I so think I, of you as my son-in-law and her as my daughter. Yes, exactly. We're we're family. I consider us family, and so uh, you know, so um, obviously, you know, you're the one that um, asked me to um, join you on a Doctor Who podcast because you were involved with the Southgate Media Group, and uh, obviously, you thought that I was the right person to do that, and uh, here we are, five and a half years later. 
and change that, yes. uh, that, uh, over all like what I think we're at, um, 185 episodes and counting. Yes. And, uh, you know, talking, uh, time and space with the doctor and doctor who. And then, um, eventually we decided to do other projects. You know, we, we, we started up, um, Titan Talk, the Titans podcast where we could talk, uh, because of the DC Universe Titan series and Doom Patrol that came out. And then, um, when there was a, um, uh, an unfortunate vacancy on, the Phantom Zone podcast that we were doing with friend of the show, you know, uh, Karen Lindsay, that um, she, uh, you know, that uh, I was looking for somebody to talk comic books on TV, and uh, you were kind enough. To, I, I thought you would be great to talk about Krypton on on the Phantom Zone, so uh, you were kind enough to join me there. So now we're kind of doing that as well, and that's on top of all my other comic books, sci-fi projects along Absolutely. the way. So um, you mentioned the lovely Lori. Yes. So where are you from, Charles? Currently, I live in Hilliard, Ohio, just uh, which is a suburb of Columbus, Ohio. Grew up in Medina, Ohio, which is just out of outside of Akron, and uh, you know where Chrissy Hine from the Pretenders came from in Devo. Obviously, you know, like I went to, you know, grew up in the high school there in Medina. Uh, got older and, uh, you know, graduated from the University of Central Florida. My family decided to move back to Columbus. And after meeting Lori through Titan Talk, we got married and she moved out here from Salt Lake City to join me here in the Columbus area. And uh, we've been here and been married ever since 1997. Yeah. So. Very nice, Charles. <laughs> Very nice. You've listened to a couple of podcasts, so you know the format. Yes. You definitely know since you have been my friend for so many years and yes. podcast partner, we will ramble <laughs> because that is that is our style. That's but the nature I, of the beast. Yeah. It is. But I will start out with talk to me growing up. Um, I have met your parents. They are absolutely beautiful people. I, I love them both. But talk about growing up. What kind of music did you guys listen to? Were they big music fans? What kind of music played in the, the young Charles Skaggs household? Uh, as I was growing up in Medina, like I was talking about, um, my dad uh, was a bit of a Fats Domino, um, 60s, you know, classic 60s R&B aficionado. And my mom was partial to Dolly Parton and Elvis. Nice. Both of them, though, were, were both in, also into classic country. That's kind of something they had in common. And so I got to hear a lot of Johnny Cash growing up, Glenn Campbell, Merle Haggard, Loretta Lynn. Uh, you know, Charlie Pride, uh, you name it. You know, like they, my parents loved the TV show Hee Haw, so I heard that a lot going on in my household. But, um, you know, obviously, you know, I was a kid, so, uh, you know, I like I developed my own interests, but uh, that's basically what they were kind of listening to. And, you know, like when I would be riding around in the backseat of their car, that's what they would be playing on the radio. It's funny, I did not know this about us, but. That is a very similar background. My mom loved Fats Domino. Um, you know, I grew up with country music, Johnny Cash, Mo Haggard, just everyone, Hank Williams. And so I, I did not know we had that in common. That makes sense. Um, did when you started growing into high school and then went on to college, what kind of music did you start finding of your own? What did you start claiming your own? 
Well, initially, you know, like when I was a kid, I was going into like, you know, I started off as a fan of the monkeys because I watched the TV show in reruns on syndication. Of course. And then, you know, like, um, you know, as I got older in high school, uh, you know, like, or, you know, as I grew up, um, I was listening to a lot at, at the time because I was a kid of the 70s and the 80s. So I listened to a lot of 70s top 40 and then MTV was big in the 80s. Yes. Um, and I'm a product of that. So. Right. That helped expose me to a lot of things. And then once I got into college, um, you know, like I got into um, uh, by this time I was into U2 and Sting as a solo artist. Mm -hmm. And then, um, uh, you know, like uh, the college radio station in Central Florida had an alternative music segment that they Mm -hmm. had on like every Sunday evening. And uh, so I got exposed to a lot of different artists like I got exposed to like. Um, you know, R.E.M., Peter Gabriel, the B-52s, the Ramones, uh, the Cure, the Dead Milkmen, Beastie Boys, uh, Violent Femmes, New Order, you name it. Yeah. And then um, also at the same time, you know, I got into the TV show Twin Peaks. And because of that, that was so heavily music influenced. Right. Um, um, one of, you know, the the the, the main director and, and co-creator of Twin Peaks, David Lynch. Uh, he's a huge music fan, so that exposed me to artists like Julie Cruz, Chris Isaac, David Bowie, Roy Orbison, and so uh, so that broadened my taste even further. What what year did you graduate high school? Uh, that would be 1987. Okay, so, so uh, ten year not, gap. Yeah, it's yeah, it's not the years; it's the mileage. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um. So so yeah, that whole college thing was obviously between like 1987 yeah. to like 1991. What I've I've asked you this in other yes. formats, but what about Twin Peaks spoke to you so strongly? Because you have, I mean, I think if yeah. if if I could list all your passions, right, not. Excluding Lori and, and your parents, right? Um, in no particular order, um, the Flash, yes, uh, you know, Doctor Who, Super- Superman, and Twin Peaks, yeah, right? Yeah, like, like yeah. you know, um, would definitely yeah, make would be in the discussion for your top five. In I would the say, top th- five. I would say, Doctor Who and Twin Peaks are my top two favorite TV shows of all time. Yeah, I think that's a safe bet. Yeah. Um, so Twin Peaks, um, because it was so atmospheric and surreal. David Lynch, like I said, the you know the one of the main creator behind yeah. the series. You know he's he has this af- affinity as because he grew up uh, in the fifties. So there was a kind of like a a, a nice little um, contrast, uh, like a juxtaposition of sweet innocent fifties music um, against this darkness, this dark underbelly of Americana, and that was one of the themes that Lynch loves to explore. So, so consequently, I got to get exposed to a lot, like I said, like Roy Orbison, um, and you know, just and then the 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 music by Julie Cruz, which permeated the show early on, um, was just iconic. Um, uh, it just it was this um, this this dreamy but haunting music that mm-hmm. um, just perfectly complemented the visuals and the the tone that david lynch was going with um and it, and it was unlike anything i had heard before so um it just completely enraptured me musically and um and then later on you know um uh more association with uh, um 
Chris Isaac and David Bowie became actors on the show. Right. And so consequently, I got exposed, like developed an interest in them and then learning more about their music and became such great fans of their music as well. Do you think that um, a big percentage of what you currently love in music came from that going down the rabbit hole of exploring the different themes in music that Lynch loved to use? Um, I think that's part of it. Okay. Uh, I th- my, as, as you know, like my tastes are extremely varied. I love just about everything. Um, you know, there, there, there's, I don't think there's at least, I, I can't think of, of, of many musical subgenres that I don't like, that I don't enjoy. Yeah. And one of the things, like, I, I love food. I love yes. eating. You know, right. I love talking. And right. so, um, and there's not many things where I'm going to be, meh. You are the same way about music. You are, when we start talking about music, and, and you often will use musical themes when we're discussing our uh, ep- episodes in Doctor Who or right. Titan Talk, you'll say, okay, well, I'm going to use songs from the police, or I'm going to use Beatles songs, or I'm going to be. Um, and it is not, oh, I like the Beatles. It's, I love the Beatles. And if exactly. you are sincere in that passion, I mean, it is something that if you like it, in my opinion, you love it. It is like all in. Do, would you think that's a fair assessment? Yeah, I think, I think that, um, pretty much I'm a love it or hate it kind of guy. Um, but, uh, you know, it just, it, it just helps that, um, I just like, I have so many things that I love musically. Yeah, I, the, and and I think also because I'm a writer, that um, I tend to visualize when I hear music, I visualize scenes in my head. Either it, you know, if like if it was it was a, if it was a song that was featured on a TV show or a movie, I kind of picture that scene taking place in my head. Or when I'm writing and I want to capture a certain mood, I mm-hmm. will go to certain songs or certain artists. Yeah, and and. That helps me kind of picture, like you know, what I want to create, and so 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 I kind of I tend to visualize music in my head. I, I this is probably one of the most duh questions I'm going to ask you, but um, by far the musical influences that Lynch uses in that Twin Pigs is that visual is part of the reason why the show is so iconic. Don't I think, think so. Yeah, I think so because it was just it was it was innovative storytelling visually and musically as well. Um, yeah, the, the, the Twin Peaks music right from the opening theme music, which is this um, very haunting melody. Yeah, that um, it uh, you know if you've ever heard the Twin Peaks theme by Angelo Badalamenti, mm-hmm. that um, it just it's it it. it perfectly symbolizes the show and has become this kind of 90s pop tv iconic music iconic theme music and you know the score that battle of provided was this this you know great um jazzy kind of riff in a lot of time in a lot of scenes and so uh so um if you're you know if you're open to to the sounds of jazz Mm -hmm. or or uh, like a, an, a like a an haunting take on jazz, then um, then the Twin Peaks the Twin Peaks score is perfectly for you. 
you know, um, often as you and I are both, um, you talked about child of the eighties and the seventies. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah. You know, Miami Vice was MTV cops. Yes. Uh, but I think in a lot of ways, Twin Peaks, you could make the argument MTV mystery. I mean, that, yes. that the MTV in which chicken or the egg, right? Like which right. influenced which? It's hard to tell. But there is that combination of if, if he had not been able to use such, and I agree with you, that yeah. theme music gets you in that world immediately. Yes, you are there. It, it immerses you in that world exactly. And with with MTV, I think I think the MTV kind of came first because um, MTV was so experimental. Yeah. In the terms of videos, like you had artists Peter Gabriel, you had David Bowie, um, uh, Flock of Seagulls, you had all kinds of um, very innovative artists, um, tell, you know, presenting things, you know, like in all kinds of ways you some you had some animated videos you had just concert performances you had just these completely out there new wave and um and and kind of like um early punk music um and just really um broadening the the idea of what music videos can do so that um by the time the 90s came around and david lynch um you know we were kind of open more open to the idea of these kind of out there visuals. I agree. So, uh, so I think it kind of helped mainstream it a little bit. You know, I, I remember reading an article about early MTV and not that early because they talked about that what people were doing with the genre and, you know, for a lot, it basically were promotional videos that are always been like clips of them yes. performing live. Right. And they talk about that um, because, you know, we have been talking for 20 minutes and we haven't discussed Bruce. Um, yeah. his Don't first, worry, we, we, can, we can go there if you want. I know I'm, we will. I know you're ready. Um, you know, his first truly official video was Atlantic City. And yeah. they talked about that, you know, he isn't he or the band isn't shown. It's just him singing the song Atlantic City with shots of the abandoned and, and the darkness of that city right. um but, and, but then i but then I, on that same take on that yeah. same take i think it wasn't until the dancing in the dark video with courtney cox in it that really brought springsteen into a more of a mainstream i appeal and you I, know with it with that first hit single off of the uh the born in the usa album i i think you're right i think it did take it to another level and and similar to like madonna michael jackson um, you know, the, it was it, it was a mutual beneficial, you know, the videos drove the music and the music drove the videos. And it was um, that's not something we do now. Right. But at that time um, and now we're going to sound like the old the old guys like back yes. in the day. But you remember, I mean, you know, you would turn on VH1 or MTV yeah. You know, and it just it was on and you're like waiting to see your favorite videos. And, oh, wait, what's this? Right. Because so. keep it, you, everybody has to kind of keep in perspective. This is way before the interwebs. Yes. So. Um, so really, MTV was it. Yes. Back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the, the their their bang slogan, I want my MTV wasn't just hype. Yeah. Um, 
that was it. I mean, you know, if if you were in someone like my, in my age in high school and you weren't listening to MT- or watching MTV at the time, you uh, were pretty much an outcast. Well, again, you would go to friends house because if your parents didn't have cable right. or have a cable that had, you know, MTV. Yeah. Um, you know, and then did that. Um, so. I do realize incredibly diverse musical yes. background. Um, I think the Cranberries I first learned from you. Right. Um, so great, great band from the nineties. Yeah. Um, I know that Sting is someone you're very passionate about. Um, and as you mentioned, David Bowie and Peter Gabriel, um, right. can you, I'd ask you to brock it down to your top three or five bands musicians. I've got you five. Eight? Okay, good. All right. Good deal. <laughs> so, um, so, so you want me to just go ahead and start yeah, rattling? Just, yeah, 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 just, uh, all yeah. right. So, all right. So obviously a number one probably has to be sting and the police. Yeah. And I can, and I kind of group them together because obviously sting as a, as the, the front man for the police, uh, back in the seventies and the early eighties. And then, um, as a solo artist, where he branched off and developed a, a very successful solo career throughout yeah. the uh, the later 80s and the 90s. One of my top TV moments is when he's on Studio 60. Yeah. Trying, you know, in that world, he was the musical guest doing ballads, right, from this his album that he had done. Right. And, and the way they weave that music in there, um, yeah, he's – that's – that's a good one. He's he's he is so diverse and so duh, but he is so talented in in, in the different kinds of they can do pure rock and roll. He can do different right. genre. It's, it's amazing. There, yeah, with the police. I mean, you know, they were the police were very heavily reggae influenced, um, but also a little bit of of early punk influence I agree. as well. I put that. So so. Um, and then, you know, obviously with the Synchronicity album, they became uh, much more of a mainstream. And that was, you know, like just like kind of Springsteen's Born in the USA was his big mainstream album. Yeah. I would say The Police's Synchronicity was their big mainstream album. I agree. And and um, and obviously not coincidentally, hey, MTV was going on at the time. And and, you know, that the videos from that album were, were permeating the, the pop culture yeah. at, the, at the time. And then, but you know, um, that's that was synchronicity album was my gateway into that. And you know, like I went back into the older stuff, and um, you know, like uh, the song "Message in a Bottle," which is mm-hmm. an iconic song from the Police. Absolutely, uh, that's my all-time favorite song. Oh, night! I did not know that. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's it's something that's just resonated with me so often throughout the years, throughout the decades. And, you know, and I've heard so many different arrangements from concert performances, um, you know, just remixes, whatnot. And uh, just it's, it's that once that, that that song that just really speaks to me personally. Yeah. Do, can you put in words why? Uh, it's it's kind of tough. I, th- I think I just I find this the story that it tells of of loneliness and reaching out. And because I was I was I was a very lonely child. I was an only child at the time, and my parents were working 24/7 practically uh, because they owned a family restaurant that was open 24 hours, seven days a week. Mm-hmm. And so, 
So I kind of identified, I think, with that loneliness in the okay. song. But it's also a song of hope because he's talking about sending out an, an SOS to the world. Yeah. So so I, I love the hope in it as well. Good. All right. I like that. Have you seen Sting or the police perform? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. I've, I've seen them. I've seen Sting, I would say, about six times, maybe seven. Um, I've seen, I actually was able to see th- – the police had broken up. Right. Um, Right after the Synchronicity album, well, like they were started to work on this this um, album of remixes, you know, um, uh, called Every Breath You Take the Singles. Mm -hmm. They got through one song and then decided to call it quits Mm. when they remade uh, Don't Stand So Close to Me in 1986. So then um, so that was, you know, obviously I was a kid. I didn't have any money, so I wasn't able to see them in concert at the time. But thankfully, they did their reunion tour mm-hmm. um, in 2007. Uh, they were at, they played at Quicken Loans Arena in Cleveland, and so Lori and I we drove all the way up there to Cleveland to go see them. And then thankfully, they came back on the later leg of the tour and gave us a Columbus date. So I got to see them twice. Nice. Where nice. I saw them at Nationwide Arena in Columbus in nice. 2008. Yeah, so um, so at least I got to see them twice during that reunion tour. Mm-hmm. So that was that was a big deal for me because, like I said, obviously being such a police fan for so long, yeah. And then, you know, obviously the band wasn't around, and they finally reunite, and I could see them live, and it was such a it was a great experience. Yeah, I, I can imagine. I've not seen any of them live, but that's on my list. I, I really think I would imagine Sting puts on a great show. He does. Um, you know, he's a great solo artist. Uh, obviously now that he's getting older, you know, his voice is affected. Um, but, um, but yeah, he's still, you know, you, there's still videos out there if you want to see him, you know, okay. what he's like currently, yeah. but, uh, but, um, he's always, he's never failed to give me a, a, a show that I, I enjoyed okay. and never, I never thought that he ever phoned it in. Yeah. Um, I, and I think so too. And I, I think that, uh, it, and much like I think Sinatra in his latest year, later years, right? Like yes, yes. you age and that, that as you talked about earlier, it's the mileage, right? That yeah, exactly. mileage he's had gives you the nuance of hearing the music. You know, I yeah. think, I think similar to, I, I am not a major Bob Dylan fan. Um, but you know, my buddy Sam is, and you know, he talks about that, that the voice that Dylan has while never, be a pop star just the age that he's done the mileage gives you that much more if you're a fan exactly so, very cool all right that's a great start number two number two <laughs> um i probably would go with you too yeah um uh just i developed a basically you two when i when i got into them with the joshua tree album sure like uh most which of us which exactly, which you know, again was played heavily on MTV. Huge, huge album. I mean, every song on that album is is fantastic. Yeah. And um, they were also the best concert I've ever seen personally. Yeah. Because I I was fortunate enough, um, even as a kid, I was fortunate enough that I was able to go see them during the Joshua Tree tour wow. in 1987. And so this was. October 6, 1987, at Cleveland Municipal Stadium, back when there was a – that's where the Indians played back in the day, back when there was an actual Cleveland Municipal Stadium before they tore it down. Mm-hmm. But 
the the attendance there for that one was fifty thousand and eighty one people. Wow. And so it was this huge crowd because, um, you know, Cleveland Municipal Stadium could seat like 80,000 people easy. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was just this phenomenal crowd. And this this was U2 in their prime. Right. Um, and it was just such a great classic performance. And, um, you know, like I, that, that memory of that concert has stuck with me ever since. Um, I, I kept trying to track down like the actual audio recording for that concert. Mm-hmm. Eventually, when um, there was a recent reissue of the Joshua Tree on a on a, a um, 30th anniversary disc release, they attached um, one of the concerts. It wasn't my concert, but it was a concert from that tour. Mm-hmm. So I could kind of get the feeling of of kind of a little bit to re-experience what I experienced back in the uh, in '87. That's very so that, cool. So it was very cool for that. Yeah. I really like. I really love that. Yeah. Um, I often every February when it's Super Bowl time, you know, that you start talking about great halftime shows, and uh, obviously um, my fandom are going to bring Bruce. Is yes. Super Bowl show, which I certainly agree was iconic and amazing. Um, often people bring up Prince, yes. his version, but I, if I had to vote, I'd pick U2 right after 9/11. Yeah, that just iconic where he's he brings out the American flag and they're scrolling right. all the names of the people. Um, I'm tearing up just talking about it. So yeah, I, yeah. yeah. Bono, Bono's always been a great showman. Yes. Uh, especially in, in live performances. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it, it, that was that whole uh, America tribute to heroes was a it was a big deal back then. Absolutely. absolutely. I remember that fondly. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so far you've hit two people, yeah, two groups that are major. Sting and Bono are big Springsteen backers, and he is big backers of them. Right. I mean, there is. Right. Um, so uh, you're two for two. What's what's number three? Uh, obviously, I think I'm gonna let's see. I'm gonna go with the Beatles as my number three. Okay. Um, I don't think I have to explain the Beatles. No. You either you either get them or you don't. Yeah. Um, because they're so iconic, um, and just their sheer musical talent that every member had. Uh, yes, even Ringo. Yeah. And um, you know the the songs are just legendary. They're iconic. Um. It's very hard not to know the words to so many of their iconic songs because their lyrics were so so um, well crafted. Yeah. And and um, that was what someone like I would say before I would say, you know, because I listened to a lot of 70s top 40 and, and whatnot that, um, you know, eventually you had, you know, classic rock mixed in with that. Yeah. So so I got to hear a lot of Beatles songs as a kid. Sure. And so it just—it's a band I've always loved um, ever since then. And yeah. um, if I ever had like an actual working TARDIS, yes, I—I <laughs> I would go see the Beatles at Shea Stadium. That's, that would—that yeah. would be my ultimate dream concert of of time traveling back in time to go see. You know, um, often on Twitter that comes up, like, "Hey, if you had a TARDIS, what would you do?" Yes. And I said I'd use it to go to see every Bruce Springsteen show ever made, right? Right. Um, I got to say, Beatles and Shea, that's a pretty – That's I don't know if that's 
the the right answer, but you yes. know, if we were doing Family Feud, you know, survey said it would be up there. That is a really right. good choice. How could you pass up not going to see the Beatles? Yeah, get, if you had that time machine. So. Yeah, and and you know, another like seeing him in Frankfurt, right? You know, at the cap, you know, that would be very cool. Oh, at the cab at the cavern, yeah, yeah, exactly. that would be yeah. very cool. Oh, nice. Uh, I also think that the Cavern Club, yeah, people. The music snobs out there, well, of course the Beatles, but there is right. a reason why right. they are an icon. I mean, there is, um, and yes, they they built off Buddy Holly, Little Richard, all these others, but they they never said they didn't. I mean, yeah. they gave so much credit to what came before them, and then just tamped it and, and amped it to, I mean, rock and roll. I'm going to sound pretentious. But rock and roll became art, right? With their work, yeah, yeah. Whoa. I mean, you know, you know, yeah. That the, you know, the Chuck Berry influences are obviously there. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, just uh, blues music musicians uh, influences are there, and um, so it just so happens. Well, hey, because they're these young, cute white kids. Yes. That you know, essentially, they started off essentially a boy band. Right. Almost before there was a term, the boy band. Yes. And then obviously, um, you know, they they evolved into something far greater mm-hmm. as as they, um, you know, I'd say starting with the Rubber Soul album yeah. onward that uh, they they became something more and it became about the music than just their their popularity. Absolutely. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Uh, so far, I'm, I'm loving it. All right. Number four. Uh, Peter Gabriel. I'm not surprised about that based on our long history. Exactly. Um, I just – I love Peter Gabriel's artistic vision. Yes. Uh, He's such an innovator, He's and he's so passionate about his music and his causes. Yes. That – like like you too, you know, back in the 80s, you know, they were very socially active. Yes. Um, And um, that uh, – and – so, you know, as someone so very influenced by someone by, like that at the time, um, that really resonated with me. And I just I, – I find his – you know, he – Peter Gabriel, you know, he could be heartbreaking in one song. He can be electric another song. He can just – he can – he has such great range. And every song that he has has such passion in it. I agree. And and it really comes forward in the performances, and I was fortunate enough to see him live as well. Ooh, nice! In two thousand three, um, he played uh, the formerly existing Germain Amphitheater here out just outside of Columbus. Mm-hmm. That is no longer with us, um, but uh, yeah, we got to see him live, and uh, it was a it was an amazing experience. It was kind of like um, after his Up album. Mm-hmm. And uh, just a really cool, just uh, just a great performer. You, if you ever got to, I got to see him later again when he toured with Sting. Oh, that would be a good show. That was a fantastic show because um, each artist sung the other's songs and the, as well as singing their own songs, and so um, and then you know doing duets and whatnot. So it was it was. They complimented – Sting and Peter Gabriel actually complimented each other really well. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, so you know, you obviously had some fans at the concert like, well, they're Peter Gabriel fans. They don't care about Sting or they were Sting fans. They don't care about Peter Gabriel. 
Me, I love both of them. Yeah, so you're like, so, I'm in so heaven. This, this is the best thing ever. Yeah. Right? Um, I will have to check out some of those. That's good. Um, I always, um, you know, and Peter Gabriel is so much more than Sledgehammer, right, for those right. of us who grow that. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. The, Soul I, album, the Soul album he did yeah. uh, is one of my all-time favorite albums. I just adore that album. And since Linda, you know, right. um, loves Kate Bush. She was just a major Kate Bush and so she always has a soft spot in her heart because Kate Bush, if you're in America, they go, who? Uh, and to have him do a duet with her to make the pop charts yeah. was just like, oh, look, it's Kate Bush. It's Kate Bush. Yeah, for so, the song Don't Give Up, which is yeah. a really great song and a song that's extremely fitting for right now. It really is. When we were talking about, you know, inspiring songs. Um, this was during, on our playlist. Absolutely. Yeah, during, during the coronavirus crisis, um, you know, with a lot of people losing hope in a lot of time, places, especially early on. Um, yeah, the song "Don't Give Up" by, by Peter Gabriel and Kate Bush uh, just really brings that hope. I much agree. Hope. And, Absolutely. Uh, highly recommended. All right, and rounding out your list. Rounding out is probably a band that Jesse is not into. Okay. Uh, Radiohead. I tend to fluctuate on my fifth, depending mm-hmm. on the kind of um, timeline that I'm in, yeah. in in my life, the stage I'm in in my life. But right now, I'd say it's probably Radiohead. They're a band I listen to a lot. Um, I have a lot of their songs on my iPod. Um, they're so greatly experimental. Yeah. Um, and Tom York's uh, vocals are so haunting, um, kind of like Julie Cruz's. That um, you know, but they're very thoughtful and also at times very challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, the the compositions are just so layered, and um, so it's it's it, it it's not a band for everyone. But um, if you're looking for something to to really experiment with, I mm-hmm. think um, and and kind of um, challenge your perceptions a little bit. Um, I definitely recommend Radiohead. I will have to, yeah, that is not someone that I have spent a lot of time listening to. Right. Um, but I certainly are familiar with them and, and know, so I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Um, you mentioned a couple of memorable shows. Are there any other concerts that you have attended that you didn't mention, but you have a good story about? Um, probably not. I think okay. those are my... Those are, you know, you two, the police's reunion tour mm-hmm. and the Peter Gabriel show. Those are probably my top three. Yeah. Now, you've mentioned you've not seen Bruce perform live. I have yes. not seen Bruce perform live. No. So hopefully the next tour. <laughs> yes. I, I should convince I should convince Linda. OK, we've got to go visit Charles and Lori. Yes. It just happens to be a Bruce show happening at the same time. I'll, 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 I'll make you an offer. Yeah. If he plays Columbus. Yes. And you. Come here, yes, with Linda. Yeah, I will go to the concert with you. That that sounds like a that sounds like a date. That sounds and probably perfect. could bring Lori along as well. Absolutely, yes. Um, we could we could totally double date on that. Yes, we could for that Absolutely. concert. Yeah, um, you've already shared so much about albums and songs that mean a lot to you. Anything else that you 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 didn't make your other topics that you want to mention? Well, we haven't talked about which are my favorite Bruce songs. I, I wasn't going to go there, but yes, I'd love that. Okay, so 
Um, just I, I made a list of my favorite Bruce songs because nice. I figured, well, hey, you know, I'm going to be re- very respectful here. Um, so I'd say my top all-time favorite Springsteen song is I'm on Fire Okay. from Born in the USA. Right. I, I, I really love that song. It's, it's short, but um, I think it's very powerful. And I just I love the rhythm to it. Yeah. That kind of dun 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 dun. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a Johnny Cash song. It does have that in it. Yeah. And so so maybe that's why I I, I really identify with that one so much. What you don't what you don't know. Yeah. But um, if you are if you are in a bar, right, and there is a someone singing. Yeah. And you go up there and you throw up five bucks and say, can you do any Springsteen? 50% chance they're going to do I'm on fire. Right. Because it's a it's a very quick song. It's it's a good song. Most people love it by far. Yeah. Um, you know, I when I've done that in the past, almost, you know, one out of two times they're going to do I'm on fire. Yeah. Every once in a while. Uh, I get someone who'll do Tougher Than the Rest or Atlantic right. City or something unusual, but usually a pretty easy I'm on fire. So very nice. Um, what's next? Uh, probably My Hometown. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's another song I think that resonates with me, especially as someone who grew up in a small town. Yeah. I really like that one a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Glory Days. Sure. Uh, I remember that so much, obviously, because of the video, uh, you know, of, you know, playing baseball yeah. and and um, and being a baseball fan, as you are, that um, that, that, you know, and the, and the idea that, you know, hey, you know, it's a guy thinking about his, you know, his time in his prime. Yeah. In his glory days. Mm-hmm. So obviously, as I get older, I kind of appreciate that a little more. And that video iconic. First off, it yes. has his. Um, his at the time current wife and his future wife, both in the yep. same video. Um, right. It captures what it felt like you would hope that if the E Street Band was playing a small club, that that energy and magic, you yeah. know. And I can remember little Stephen with the mandolin and and um, Max twirling the drumsticks and playing. There there seemed so much joy in a song that really is about um you know not dwelling on the past but you know you will right right? like it it is yeah that's that's um i think in a lot of his i think that and like dancing in the dark right are on the surface very pop songs yeah but when you start pulling into it there's a lot more depth to them yeah i totally agree and then that you know dancing in the dark is another one of my favorites yeah um, you know, not just because Courtney Cox is in the video. Sure. Uh, I just th- I just think it's a really good song. And, you know, I, like like you said, I think a lot of people dismiss it. Oh, it's just a, it's Bruce being trying to be more mainstream pop. Yeah. But, you know, if you if you really give it a good deep dive. Yeah. I think it's more than that. Yeah. There's been a couple of um, there's been some great covers of that. Um the um, Scottish singer Amy McDonald, I believe, has done a great version. You can see that on YouTube. And just recently, someone did um, a Dancing in the Dark, I Want to Dance with Somebody mashup. Yeah. Which is really good. You know? <laughs> uh, that's great. All right. Yeah, Bruce, Bruce Whitney. Yes, absolutely. Uh, uh, another song I like, uh, just because it's so fun, 
I love Pink Cadillac. Yes. That's a great one. It just is it's one of those that you just um especially if you're driving, it's a great yeah. song to kind of turn up on your radio, uh your satellite radio these yes. days. Um I really enjoy that. Born in the USA, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. because of so powerful message sure. about about the Vietnam War and whatnot. Yeah. Um and, you know, because so many people misinterpret that song yes. as like, oh, it's this big patriotic song and it's like well, have you listened to the lyrics? Yeah, I know that. That's not, not so much. <laughs> Just recently with the COVID-19, right, there were yeah. protesters talking about opening up, and they're singing Born in the USA, and we're like, have you – have you listened to the song? Right. Do you, are you yeah. paying any attention whatsoever? Yeah, they just yeah. hear the the hook and right. they're just like, oh yeah, born in the U.S. And then they think, oh yeah, this is this big patriotic song. Right. Like it, like it's something out of a Hulk Hogan wrestling. It it, it truly is. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, no, it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, another song I I, I loved growing up. As, I lo- liked listening to as a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I heard a lot on on top forty back then. Hungry Heart, yeah. Um, that one really, you know, it just it's it's something that just I remember. I can visualize listening to it on this really old um, record player radio mm-hmm. in my parents' basement as a kid. Yeah. When I'm I'm, I'm kind of like you know uh, just playing around in the basement, and I just um, yeah, just it's it's a song song that it just really takes me back to my childhood in a lot of ways. Because of the time period. Yeah. I don't know if you know this. Um, yeah. By tr- tradition, nowadays, yeah. when he does Hungry Heart, he doesn't sing the first verse. No. Uh, the audience that. sings it because way back in the day, um, he went to go up to sing. This is before, you know, like most musicians have teleprompters nowadays, right? Right. And right. He, he started and he couldn't think of the words. And the audience sang the first verse. So now it's tradition. It's now tradition with him, yeah. And he often, if he's going to crowd surf, it's Hungry Heart. He gets out there and they take him all around. So that's a great choice. That is a great song. But now he's older, so they got to be a lot more gentler. they got to be careful. (laughs) He's 70, people. Take care of this man. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe, you know. um, And then lastly, I have to probably, this is a good one to end on. Uh, Born to Run, yeah, which is iconic Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I don't it think is... I don't think I have to explain that, especially for this audience. Yeah, exactly. Um, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, so is that a good list? That's that a great free? list. That's a great list. So okay. I had that would be on my Springsteen's Greatest Hits album. Yeah, I had tickets to see the remaining Monkeys. Yes, Michael, uh, Mickey Dolenz and Michael Nesmith were um, touring. Yeah. And um, it got oh, postponed. So this, so this was after David Jones passed. Yeah, okay. this is no. I mean, as in just a couple months ago, they were coming oh, okay. to Dallas, um, okay. got postponed to next fall. Um, so um, I was going to finally see the Eagles. I've never seen the Eagles live. Right. And I was going to get to see that got postponed. And a singer songwriter. I'm a big John Hyatt fan. And his daughter, Lily Hyatt, had a new album out during this time. And she was touring. So those are three shows that I missed. Did you and Lori have anything planned coming up that because of this COVID-19 got postponed of shows that you aren't going are either aren't going to see or got postponed? Well, Lori, unfortunately, is not as musically inclined as I am. Yes, that's true. Uh, 
So basically, if it's not if it's not Steve Perry with Journey, okay, and he has to be with Journey, okay. uh, they have to have Steve Perry. They can't have anybody else. Or it's you know it's not Sting or Peter Gabriel or you two. Um, it's very rare that she will go out. Okay, so you so, you so, consequen- go solo. Yeah. so consequently, I don't really have anybody to go to concerts with. <laughs> All right. So so which is why like I have a huge CD collection and yes. MP3 collection. That um, uh, because I'm just, you know, like I have to kind of uh, almost listen to my own concerts, watching YouTube videos and whatnot. OK. All right. To get that experience. But but, yeah, I would, you know, if especially if, the, you know, more artists toured that, you know, that um, I would like or that there would be someone I could go with. Mm-hmm. I'd be more than happy to go. Is there anything that Sting hasn't you haven't got to hear live that you would have liked it like let's say that's a question i asked the bruce you know my my okay. bruce fans like yeah. okay bruce is touring is there a song of his that you've never heard live that's kind of a wrinkle is there a sting song that you go wow i know he never will play this or i just haven't got to hear him play that um that's a good question i wasn't prepared for that question i know sorry um <laughs> Let's see. Probably some of the earlier police stuff. Yeah. Um, because, you know, like with a, you know, like they hit their bigger hits. Mm-hmm. But I, but I think there's like a lot of, um, you know, their lesser known hits. Yeah, I could see that. That, 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 that I would like, you know, there's there's songs like Darkness from um, uh, Ghost in the Machine mm-hmm. from the police album uh, that I would I would like to hear. Um, uh, let's see. On any other day from from Regatta de Blanc, I would love to hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, Man in the Suitcase. I never got to hear that one from their Zenyatta Madada album. Nice. So, um, so there's a few I would like to hear. All right. Um, before we get to the Mary question, is there yeah. anything I should have asked you, Charles, that I didn't? Uh, I think we're good. I think so too. I, hope I think so. I think I think we covered a lot of ground. Yes, we did. This was um, so much fun. All right. So you know this, but just in case this is yes. the first time someone is listening to this podcast, um, Jay Armstrong is an honors English teacher out of the Philadelphia area. Every year, his seniors they take two days in their honors English class, and they take the song. Thunder Road, and they break it down as a poem. Uh, They go through verse by verse. They discuss the lyrics. They talk about the imagery of the song. They compare it to Robert Frost, The Road Not Taken. And then at the end of the two days, Jay asks the question to his class, does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? So, Charles, as one of my favorite writers yes and one of my best friends yes does mary get in the car okay i i thought about this and i think i have the perfect response given who i am and my relationship to you all right okay okay so mary's about to get into the car but suddenly she hears a strange warp warp sound <laughs> turning around she sees a man who calls himself the doctor, emerging from a large blue box, and he invites her to travel with him inside that box across space and time. Does Mary get in the TARDIS? Yes. And by the way, I have tears in my eyes because this makes me so happy. 
Is, it, is, is that the best response? You that is the first. That is the perfect response. Of I course, thought you'd appreciate it. Mary doesn't get in the car. She gets to the TARDIS. Exactly. Does that not make sense? That makes perfect sense. I love this. Um, okay, Charles. Uh, we've already talked about all the podcasts we're on, but you actually are on. Uh, you do a Twin Peaks podcast. Please share us how we can find that. And I believe you every once in a while do this blog of geeky things. So please share how people, if they want to get in touch with you or learn more about you, enjoy your writings. How can they? Yeah, uh, everybody, I hope you uh, enjoyed the discussion today. And so if you want to uh, reach out and uh, find me on through social media, you can uh, reach me at Charles Skaggs on Twitter, at Charles Skaggs on Instagram, Facebook, of course, Charles Skaggs in Hilliard, Ohio. And my blog of Geeky Things. I'm going to do the thing here. Come on, you. Damn good coffee and hot. Damn good coffee and hot, where I talk about all kinds of comic book sci-fi news, um, news of my other podcasts that I do for Southgate Media, including uh, what Jesse said, Next Stop Everywhere, the Doctor Who podcast, or uh, Titan Talk, the Titans podcast, where we talk um, the DC Universe shows Titans and Doom Patrol. And the Phantom Zone podcast, uh, where we talk all kinds of comic book TV shows, and um, my Twin Peaks podcast I do with Zan Sprouse, whom uh, has appeared on our other podcast. And, um, you know, we talk all kinds of comic, or excuse me, all kinds of uh, Twin Peaks uh, related goodness. We talk about David Lynch's films, um, and we also throw in. A ton of pop culture references along the way. Have so, you guys, so, have you guys go done a music based episode? We have. Okay. We have. We've, uh, we've, we've done. Yeah, we've done several. Um, yeah, we talked about um, the soundtracks. I thought that I scored. I thought I remember yeah, so, that. So if if that's kind of what you're, um, we have episodes on those. So um, so if you're listening, interested in the music of Twin Peaks or anything else related, um, especially Julie Cruz, you know, that uh, that um, or, you know, like I said, Roy Orbison, David, uh, excuse me, David Bowie, um, Chris Isaac, um, highly, highly recommend checking out our podcast. I hope you do. And uh, and I hope you check out the other podcasts and uh, please reach out. I would love to uh, meet you on Twitter and Facebook. Absolutely. You can find me on Twitter at Jesse Jackson BFW. You can find the show at Set Lessing Bruce. You can go to our website, setlessingbruce.com. From there, you can see links to um, other Bruce Springsteen podcasts, other Springsteen blogs. Um, if you want to join me on the show and share your musical journey, uh, send me an email to setlessingbruce at gmail.com. Um, Charles, Yes. This has been a blast. I, I hope you had <laughs> as much fun as I did. This is really fun that um, we talk every week. But yes. This was kind of it, it felt like we were we were we were in recess versus, you know, like we always have fun. But this was just something totally different for us. Well, you've been talking about your podcast, your Bruce Springsteen podcast for years and years. And you were inviting everyone else <laughs> to be on the show. And I'm like, what? What am I chopped liver here? What, what, what's up with that? So, um, Jesse, thank you so much for finally inviting me. Um, I had a ball and, uh, I hope I was a good guest on your podcast. You were a great guest and the, the door is always open. If you decide 
that you've got a, a hot musical opinion you need to share. <laughs> All you got to do is, hey, Jesse, hot Jesse, make me do it. All right. But for now, listeners, stay safe. Take care of yourselves. You know, remember social distancing. Wearing a mask is a cool thing. It's it's okay. Wash your Masks hands. Masks are cool. Masks are cool. And uh, I do hope if you enjoyed our banter, um, we think it's entertaining. You yeah. check out some of the other podcasts uh, that Charles and I have. In fact, if you're yeah, like, hey, do. where's a good place to start? Email either one of us and we'll give you a couple of highlights to do. So, But for now, um, take care. Be good to yourselves. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Take care, everybody. Bye. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, Set Listening Bruce. Set Listening Bruce is part of the Southgate Media Podcast Group. The theme for Set Listening Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.